What is going on, guys? I am here today, Chris Martelli, with Giancarlo Alino and Anthony Pinello, and we are in the zone. This is episode number one. It's kind of uh, funny. This is a reunion for us, but now this is the real deal. So today we're going to be discussing numerous topics, mainly the Leaps, the Raptors, and of course, we're wrestling fans, WWE. So without further ado, let's just discuss um, this Toronto Maple Leaf team. How good is this team? Oh, they're great. You see Austin Matthews. You see Andreas Janssen getting that hat trick on the weekend. Then they even have their defense, Morgan Riley, the whole bleeping show, just lighting up the league. Mitch Marner, for all you people who got him in fantasy, we're set. A lot of good things to talk about this team. A lot of positives there. And uh, maybe Willie Nylander, knock on wood right there. Got today or tomorrow to find out. Um, honestly, though. The Leafs are 18-8 and eight without William Nylander. I need to ask you guys, do we really, really need him right now? I'm going to go with yes, because I think that record can be even more with Nylander. Like that's basically, that's he's been glued with Matthews the last two years. The chemistry they have is off the charts. And yeah, I think we can be that much better with Willie in there, even though Kapanen has been a very good placeholder so far. To me, Kapanen is that type of player. He just overachieves. And he overachieves at the wrong time. So right now, we we all know that there's contract negotiations coming. Mitch Marner's going to be a free agent. Austin Matthews is going to be a free agent. Kapanen's going to be a free agent. I've been hearing rumblings around the league that the Leafs want to get rid of Nylander, but for a right price. Because if I'm the Leafs, if I'm Kyle Dubas right now, I want to do a bridge deal with him. I want to give him maybe six and a half or two years. You know, prove like prove that you're worth eight mil, nine mil that you say you are. So it gives the Leafs time to shed Gardner's contract. Heaven forbid we get rid of him. Um, Marlowe, obviously, his contract's not the greatest. Zaitsev's could be better. Oh, um, was that another five years? Yeah. Oh, it's just th- there's there's contracts on this team that are great, like Riley's and Kadri's. But there's others that are clearly not in our favor. But Marner, for me, he's definitely going to want around seven and a half mil with the pace he's on right now. He's at 36 and 26. Um, Kasperi Kapanen, what do you guys think? How much do you think he'll want? I think he's, they can do a bridge deal with him. I don't think it will be like a Nylander situation. I think he knows this, like he was in the AHL for a while. Then he got his opportunity now. He'll be more willing to do a bridge deal. Nylander, I think they should get him back as soon as possible and then make it some other GM's problem in the draft. So trade him. Get him now on this team while you can, while you have Barlow, while you have Matthews, Marner, and their uh, entry-level deals load up, and then make a run for it. Then in the summertime, when you got to renegotiate everyone's deal, you can tell... Uh, William Nylander, you know what? This was nice. Thanks for all your time, but pick five teams you want to go to, and we're going to send you packing, buddy. And uh, just trade them, get a defenseman back because they need help with Morgan Riley there. Morgan Riley's been doing great, but I, I would like another defensive defenseman, someone stay at home near Freddie Anderson, help him out a little bit. It's funny, guys like Nylander, over the years, they have really screwed up some franchises. Like I've looked at trades in the past that have been in situ like like that have been in situations that Nealers Nealander's been in right now. And you see, like in the in the off season, you saw the Hamilton trade with Lindholm and uh, and those players, like guys of that caliber. I think Nealander is around him. He's obviously, I think, a little better than Lindholm. But if you're gonna trade Nealander, it's gonna be a tough. 
it's going to be, I think, tough negotiations for other teams just based off of he hasn't played a game yet this year. It's almost December now where like some players already have 40 plus points and he hasn't he hasn't put up anything. So if you're Kyle Dubas and he's like, I remember this was before the season started, the agent was asking for eight mil or something. And now uh, you, Aldino, you mentioned the other day that he they're getting close to agreeing at six point nine. Is he really worth six point nine? Like, I feel like you have guys like Pasternak who are at six point seven. And I feel like he's way better than Nylander right now. Like literally, everyone says that name, and then the argument just immediately goes downhill. Because then you see what Pasternak's doing. It's like if Nylander doesn't do something similar to that, it's a bust. But for me, I think he will eventually be worth around 7 mil. I've always been a Nylander fan. And for me, it's it's kind of like... Because if you bridge Kapanen now, in a couple of years, you'll be in the same situation. So it's like Kapanen or Nylander. Because either way, you're going to have to shift money around and try to make it work somehow. For me, the biggest question mark with Kapanen is, does he have the potential that Nylander has? I don't think so. I don't think he does. I know he's a great hockey player. He's We've seen his skating. He's probably one of the fastest skaters on the Leafs, if not the fastest skater. Um, but... I don't think he has that potential to be a William Nylander. That's just me. That's my opinion. Um, But regardless of the whole Nylander contract talks, I hope they do reach an agreement just for the Leafs' sake. And they can probably, with Nylander in the lineup, they will probably finish first. Oh, yeah. I would like like to think so. Um, But the next question that I have for you guys is, obviously, we all know that Austin Matthews, he's been off for 14 games now. And he comes back... Last night, gets three points. How good of a player can Austin Matthews be? Is he willing? Is he willingly a top five player in the NHL? I think in a few years, we're going to be talking about, like similar to 10 years ago with Crosby Ovechkin, I think we're going to be talking about McDavid Matthews because just see what he's done. 40 goals his rookie year, gets a trophy for rookie of the year. And then the Leafs in the playoffs, he was amazing last year. And then now this year, he has some injury troubles, but everyone's going to get that eventually. He's been good with Nylander. He's been good with JVR on the power play last year. And then like he's been able to adapt with everyone in the lineup. And I think he's a generational player. They have to keep in their lineup. Don't go that Phil Kessel route and say, oh, let's go trade him now because we don't like him anymore. Keep him in the lineup, no matter any problems you might have with the coach, the GM. Make him happy. Keep him here. Give him the money. And he'll win us a cup. I believe in Matthews. Yeah, he'll be around, though, like north of 12, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, McDavid is getting 12 and a half, but he is, find he is like the benchmark of yeah. contracts in the NHL. But Austin Matthews, to me, you're looking at stats and you're looking at the damage that he has done when he's on the ice. For me, put him top five right now. And I'm saying that with confidence. He has 19 points in 12 games. He has 12 goals in 12 games. Last year, I think he had like 33 and 60. <laughs> and and the year before that, in his rookie year, where our expectations, yeah, 55 points we'll give him. He got 40 goals, 69 points. And don't forget that Centennial Classic game. He led the Leafs with four points that game. Clutch. Now, the biggest question mark that everyone asks, and this just pisses me off flat out, Oh, Austin Matthews was invinci- uh, he was invisible in the postseason two years in a row. Is he this good in uh, you know in like really big situations? Again, he's 21 years old. He still has time you know to to you know adjust to the playoffs. But honestly, guys, like Austin Matthews, like he could be a top two player in the game. 
And I'm saying that because Sidney Crosby, we've seen, he's like he's still one of the best in the game. If not, still number one. He's definitely top three. But you're, it's amazing. You're seeing basically a youth movement. We've been talking about this for at least three years now, ever since the McDavid draft. But now Austin Matthews, I can slowly see he's already I think he's already past Stamkos I think he's around where Tavares is right now next year can he pass Sidney Crosby it's just for best player in the league best player he led the league in his rookie year with turn with uh, takeaways and that's something that you don't usually do so I mean Austin Matthews we all know has a huge impact not only with the Leafs organization but the NHL in general so my biggest question moving forward with his career is, will he be injury prone? Do you guys like think he will continuously have an injury? I know we're Leaf fans and we don't want to think that, but in a perfect world, obviously he's going to be healthy every year. But like these are questions we got to kind of ask. If I'm looking at the kind of the other side of it, trying to not be biased, then, you know, three years in the league and he's been injured twice already for over a month. So it's not looking good in that sense. But, you know, if, if he does play, you know, you've seen what he's done already with the 40 goals and then 33 and whatever the stat was. It, for me, it's not even the stats necessarily because last night was a good indication. He played with two rookies in Kapanen and Janssen. And you see how poised he is. And when he goes out there, he just he brings other players along with him, kind of like a Crosby who doesn't play with Malkin, doesn't play with Phil. So for me, if you tell me next year he's the second best player in the league, I would not argue with that. Also, though, to go counter on that, if people outside the organization look at Matthews and say he's injury prone, would you guys consider trading him now that he's in the rookie end of the rookie deal and you can get that big package? Can you imagine top, all their potential can be top two? Al- Alino stirring it up already, <laughs> episode one. You want to trade Austin Matthews? We'll put that out there. <laughs> Everyone's going to come up with pitchforks down to my house and uh, oh. light my car on fire. It's, a, it's actually it's actually so funny you bring that up because last night I'm, I'm with a work friend. And he's like, Tavares has been so good. Why don't we just trade Matthews? And I look at him, I'm like... Because he's like nine years younger. That was my first argument. I said he's around seven years younger than Tavares. Arguably already almost better than him when on the ice. Um, And he's like, oh, but we got to afford Marner. Marner's going to want like nine mil because he's averaging like 1.5 a game. And I'm like, but realistically, if you're a GM, you got to look at the best player, not the best fantasy player. Like, okay, like you could, you have to kind of like Marner Matthews. A lot of people say it's Kane and Taves. I think it's way better to be honest, because Matthews is a better player than Taves. I'm sorry. But if you're looking at contracts, they're both at 10 and a half mil. They both signed those really long contract extensions based. I think it was together. I think it was at the same time. Can we see something similar? Can we see Matthews? take a pay cut can we see Matthews take nine mil can we see Marner take nine together you know what I mean like I don't see both of them having the same value but maybe Dubas has something planned where you know what I will pay you both the same I'm gonna look at this Taves and Kane contract and I'm gonna make both you guys have nine mil so we have a little bit of wiggle room for guys like Kapanen and guys like Janssen because I know Janssen he can he can put out some pretty good numbers I know he had a slow start Against the Flyers, he was the best player on the ice for the Leafs. A hat trick in the first period. So if you do a contract like that, you have wiggle room for Kapanen. You have wiggle room for Janssen. You have eventually in the long run, you're going to have to sign a guy like Dermot and Lilgren when eventually they, when their contracts are up. So do you go all the way with Matthews and pay him 12 mil and you pay a guy like Marner like seven and a half 
where it kind of adds up? Or do you do nine and nine? What are your thoughts on that? I think Matthews is going to have to go home run here. And he's, he's going to get whatever he wants, really. And everyone else is going to have to take the pay cut around him. But uh, I thought Dermot was up at the end of this year. Is it this year or next Might, year? With the AHL thing. Did he? But did he? Uh, I knew when he got drafted, he went back to the O yeah. for a year. But he got drafted in 15. Yeah. This would, yeah, I think this is, a, this is a contract here, I think, for him. I feel like Janssen maybe, but guys like Brown and Hyman... As much as I love Hyman, he does so much, they're going to get shafted. Because I don't think Matthews will take the pay cut. I think he'll get 12 or 13 or whatever the hell it is at that point. And then Marner will be up there. And then you just kind of deal with the rest from there. Well, it's crazy because I, I actually, I didn't even think about this. I just compared it to Taves' contract. But you got to look at a guy like Jack Eichel, who really, I'm sorry, he had no business getting 10 and a half mil after the stats he put up and just he wasn't healthy for the first two years like at all he played i think 55 games both years and basically the gm's like we're going all in with you we know that you're our franchise guy we're going to give you 10 and a half mil luckily this year I, i'll we'll talk about buffalo i guess after this but is he worth 10 and a half mil is he really worth 10 and a half mil you're looking at his all-around game matthews has to be worth more than eichel's contract i'm sorry he does way more than eichel so basically eichel messed it up for matthews and everyone else going forward for me, when I look at the, the blueprints for contracts, the guys that really screwed it up are Dreisaitl and Eichel. Those are the two guys for me that just screwed everything up. They did. Maybe Dreisaitl. <laughs> yeah, Dreisaitl. But Eichel, too, if you look at it, like ten and a half. how many playoff games has he played? Zero. How many coaches got fired? How many GMs got fired? How many presidents changed? So he's had his, his impact like beyond just like on the ice, I guess, in Buffalo. So for him to get ten and a half, Matthew's going to look at that. You know what? I'm uh, in the playoffs now both years. And he's looking at Tavares, who's getting 11 mil. He's going to be like, you have to give him somewhere close to that, maybe the same or maybe more than that, because Matthews is going to be your guy longer term than what Tavares is going to be in his 30s. So they're in a difficult situation over here. You know what? If I'm Kyle Dubas, this is going to be a very interesting summer. And I know Shanahan always has a plan. And he's going to, you know, he's going to kind of guide Dubas along the way. But they definitely do have a lot of head scratchers that they got to deal with. I feel bad for guys like Brown and Hyman because over the years, they have worked their asses off to be a part of this organization. But at the end of the day, it's always youth always comes first. And if and if we feel that we're a content and we are a contender, like the other day, we traded Nielsen for Klimchuk. I still can't believe that went through, by the way. Yeah, just that out there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Leafs do this offseason. So moving on from the Leafs now, we've been talking about them for a long time. Buffalo, I want to just quickly talk about them because they're tied for first in the Eastern Conference. They've won 10 straight games. What what do you think has been the biggest impact for Buffalo? I think, yeah, Jeff Skinner, I was like, I don't know where this guy came from. He just got loaned out to Buffalo. Like, here, please take him off our hands, Carolina basically said. And all those concussions he had, you have to think, like, is this guy, his career is done, you would assume. And then he comes in, lights it up this year. Might be all the Buffalo chicken wings in uh, the city there in Orchard Park, but who knows. He's a funny player. He'll get, like, he'll have a sick season, and then he'll fall off the next year and have, like, 21 goals and be, yeah. like, a minus 40. And then this year, and then he's, you know, 10 games in a row on a team that no one thought would even be decent, and they're almost at the top of the league. I'm going to be flat out honest here. Jeff Skinner, to me, is not a top six forward in the league. <laughs> Looking at his stats, he's a top 10 player in the league right now. 19 goals in 23 games. Very streaky. Jack Eichel only has five goals 
That's going to change. The second on Buffalo in goals is Jason Pominville with nine. We're living in the past oh. here. <laughs> 2006. It's a 10-goal difference with Skinner. Now, I think he went eight games straight with goals. Yeah. And you don't do that unless you're line A or OV. Wait, is that the line then? Eichel, Pominville, and... Uh... It's been... it's So right now, it's been Skinner, Pominville, Eichel. Okay. And then you have Reinhardt, Okpozo, and Shiri. So there's your top six. Yeah. I want to quickly talk about Casey Middlestaff for a second. We saw him last year in the World Juniors. He dominated. And he looked like America's best player. Transitioning to the NHL. Right now, he has four goals and eight points in 25 games. Do you guys believe that he will eventually surpass Reinhardt as the second best forward option? I want to say yes, because he definitely is better offensively. and He's more gifted in that area. But yeah, for, for whatever reason, it's been a slow transition, but I, I think he'll get there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> if you even look at Middlestad and, I don't know, Reinhardt to me, I'm just there's something about him where he's had that moment in the World Juniors, then after that, going into the NHL, he hasn't really lit it up like Eichel in his first or second year. He hasn't had that impact, so. He reminds yeah. me of like a, like a Nuge, just yeah. like a little, a little under that offensively. Like, he's a nice player, but he's never going to be impactful. It's crazy to think that that draft, the 2014 draft, you had Ekblad go number one. He hasn't panned out as an offensive defenseman, but defensively he looks pretty solid. But, again, I wanted him to be a more of a two-way defenseman. Then you had Sam Reinhardt go second. A lot of people had him go second because of the World Junior performance and because of his hockey IQ. Everyone said his hockey IQ was of the elites and the greats. And then third, you had Leon Dreisaitl, an unproven German <laughs> that is now screwing up contracts and all that. And McDavid's line mate must be nice. Mm. And then you have Sam Bennett. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Who has, not, who has not been effective whatsoever. And it pains me to say this, but when he couldn't do a pull-up, was that might have been... You know, that might have been a little like... Uh, was that the beginning of the end? Right I, I feel like that was like a sign. It's like, oh, he can't do a pull-up. Like, you're in the NHL. You're in the NHL, yeah. man. Like, you're, you're lifting good. You've been compared to Doug Gilmore and you can't do a pull-up? Oh, man. This guy was compared to Doug Gilmore. Doug Gilmore won the score... I think he won the scoring title with the Leafs one year. He holds the franchise record for most points in a Leafs season. And when you're being compared to Sam... To, I was going to say Sam Bennett. He is Sam Bennett. When you're comparing him to Doug Gilmore... And you can't even get over 50 points in the NHL. To lose. Who the hell is doing these comparisons? Just ruined that poor kid's career right before it started. Like, again, I don't want to get off topic, but talking about drafts, Pavel Zaka, we talked about this this analyst. I don't know who, who he is. This guy says, Pavel Zaka is an offensive force. He has a lethal shot like Alex Ovechkin. Let's get some going, Zaka. <laughs> There's a couple guys in the NHL, I don't know if you know them, they got drafted after Zaka, Rantanen, yeah. Besser, Barzil. <laughs> they ring a bell. <laughs> uh, Chabot, man, McAvoy. Chabot was old, man. Just the draft nowadays to me <laughs> is, is a place where anything can happen. Anything can happen. And it's crazy. 2015, oh, McDavid, he's your savior. Eichel is supposed to be the second best thing to McDavid. Dylan Strom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mitch Marner. Ooh. Like, it's crazy to me. But, like, again, going back to Buffalo, you have another guy, Alex Nylander. Where the hell is he? I actually haven't heard his name in me about either. two years. 
in in the <laughs> AHL, he's not even playing well. And we all know how high Nick is of Nylander. He's like, oh, I, I haven't heard his name. I'm like, yeah, well, he hasn't transitioned. He hasn't pulled Yarvi too. What happened? Like, what's going on with him? I thought this would be the year. I'm not sure. And then they got sent down again, and I was just totally thrown off. They were yeah, seeing him, and it was going to be like Gretzky and Curry with uh, McDavid and Pugliarvi. That's just, great. That's why guys still. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, because remember that draft? Dubois got tra- drafted third, oh, and I'm like, they, have- they won again. They won the draft again. They get Pugliarvi. <laughs> but Pugliarvi has been a bust so far. But I'm, I don't label busts yet. I don't do that, unless they're like over 23 or 24. Nail Yakupov. Yeah. Bust. Not in the league, so. Not in the league. <laughs> but we could talk about this all day, but again, Buffalo, crazy surprising, 36 points, leads the East. I was telling um, Pinella before you came, the Eastern Conference is up for grabs. The last place, um, so I think last place I said is Philly, 22 points. Um, literally, they have 22 points, and the wild card team has 27 in Carolina. So five points and every team in the east has double digit wins which is crazy i think that's crazy that's you the only teams that don't have double digit is florida and new jersey with nine but it's nine you technically count that but anyways we could talk about hockey for days now i want to get into the nba because this is obviously probably one of the most exciting it's one of the most exciting times to be an nba fan because the raptors are the best team in the nba they're 18 and four in the conference, they're 11-3. and three. They have a 9-2 and two record at the ACC, or sorry, Scotiabank Arena, and they're 9-2 and two away. They've won six straight. Alino, tell me about the Raptors. My God, they've been so good. And I know everyone, as soon as that trade happened, DeRozan and uh, just going in, he was a leader, big in the community here. Everyone loved him. But at the end of the day, what did they, they didn't go anywhere. They went to the conference final once, and now it was time for a change. They had Kawhi Leonard available. And when if Kawhi Leonard is available and you can get him and steal him and add Danny Green as part of that package, you got to go all in on that. And they did. And crazy to Masai Ujiri for doing that because that's been one of the best moves in franchise history for them. They're so good offensively, defensively. They have like Siakam, up and coming guy, playing amazing. Eastern Conference Player of the Week two weeks ago. So crazy. I think they can go to the finals this year. To me, that DeRozan trade is a what if. For the franchise, but it's such a step forward for this year. I mean, I know a lot of people that really heavily criticize the DeRozan deal, like the DeRozan trade. And obviously, DeRozan's been here for, what, 10 years, 9 years. He gave his all. He averaged, I think he has the most points as a Raptor franchise history. He's accumulated the most. Kyle Lowry, we all know, is the heart and soul of the Raptors. That's pretty obvious. You're trading a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who's been here for eight years, a guy that wasn't so – he wasn't so good, Jakob Pertl. Like, I see the offensive potential, but it's not that – it's not even close to Siakam's. It's not even close. The defensive ability, Pertl, again, he was very good off the bench last year. We saw that. He was actually in the fourth quarter. I'm pretty sure uh, Casey played Pertl quite a bit. But you're trading for Kawhi Leonard, and that guy's a top five player in the league, my eyes. Offensively, he can dominate. We've seen a couple of times already this year, he's done no-look steals. He's done double blocks. He's dominant. He's, he's actually a double-double machine. He, he will get you 25 and like 10 every game. Um, Danny Green is another guy that is basically another Kyle Lowry. He's a heart and soul guy. 
He's a leader on the court and off the court. Getting a guy like Danny Green for a guy like Nick Nurse is honestly huge because it's his first year as head coach. You don't have as much experience. And a guy like Danny Green, a guy like Kyle Lowry can kind of ease him into it. So would you roll with this team then going into the playoffs? Or do you think there's 100%. You don't think there's like one more big deal they can make to kind of push them forward, even though they're already at the top of the East? That's a good question. Um, It's just there's players right now on the Raptors. Yes, they're 18 and four. Yes, they're right now they're the best team in the league. But there's guys like Serge Ibaka and Pascal Siakam. Love both of them. But they are overachieving right now. Like, eventually, they're going to have to slow down. I remember watching Serge last year and just, like, total oh, yeah. non-factor. And even this year, the fact that he's just decent yeah. is just so, so much like, better for the rest. And then even looking at, oh, they didn't have to give OG Ananobi to San Antonio, too. They got to keep him. He's, like, an up-and-coming guy that a lot of people are saying he could be, if everything goes according to plan, he could be like Kawhi Leonard. He's a two-way guy. He can shoot the three sometimes when you need him. Saw that in the playoffs in Cleveland and uh, great team. And there's a small deal I think the Raptors could make at the deadline. What about Vince <coughs> Carter coming back to the Raptors? Get Vince, 41 years old, put him in the Raptor jersey again. Scotiabank Arena will go crazy. <laughs> Do dunks again all over the place. You know what? Um, <laughs> but, like, here's the thing with the Vince Carter thing. He's 41 years old. He can still do a 360. (laughs) (laughs) Time is nothing for him. Who do you trade to Atlanta for Vince Carter? A second? Yeah, in 2025. Whose minutes get cut because of Vince Carter, if you think about it? C.J. Miles, does he play? Actually, with Vince Carter, though, you can just keep him him on the bench for a bit and put him in when you need him. He's a veteran guy, another veteran in the room that can help, like guys like OG and just – even working out training like he did in Memphis with some of those guys. If need be, you need uh, something off the bench, a spark. In case of injury or two or something. Yeah. And then Scotiabank Arena. If they see Vince Carter get up off the seats, that might energize the crowd a little bit. Put him in for two, three minutes. Give Kawhi a break. And then, yeah, send him out. So here's some stats that I want to share with you guys. So Kawhi Leonard obviously leads the Raps, 24.3 a game. Like I said, second in points, it's not Kyle Lowry, it's Serge Ibaka. He's averaging 16.6 a game. Now, if you want to make a really big deal before the playoffs, he, to me, 100% is the guy you trade. Serge Ibaka, I know his contract is not the greatest, but the way he's playing right now kind of transitions to the contract he's at. And I don't know, who's who's a defensively poor team right now? Like, I'd say San Antonio's not the greatest. I mean, their best defensive player is probably... I'd probably say Aldridge, but he's not that good defensively. Um, like, like Guys like Serge Ibaka are guys that if you want to go over the hump and make the finals, you might have to trade him because he has a lot of value right now. Siakam, like you said, player of the week two weeks ago, I guarantee you GMs are calling for him. He's 24 years old. Guys are definitely calling for him. The fact is, though, this chemistry is way too good right now. Do you actually want to break up this team? just to win a championship right now they're 18 and 4 they've only lost four games golden state has lost seven games they've lost four in a row at at a certain point wow so i don't know i have so many questions with the raptors the first question i actually have to ask it's crazy my biggest question with this team now regular season we've seen the last what four years they're one of the best regular season teams but come playoffs they haven't been able to get it done so finally, I got to ask this question. Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, these big additions, can they finally overcome their demons and not even go to the finals? But can you see them dethroning a West team? 
you know, it might be tough because Golden <laughs> State has the Marcus Cousins who's coming back at the end of the month. And you don't know how he's going to fit into that team. He's only going to be there one year because he they can't Well, Steve Kerr said straight up, they we're not can, signing they him. They can't re-sign him. No. But you never know, too. He's a personality that seems to rub every teammate he's ever had the wrong way. And Draymond Green's on that team. He doesn't seem to like Kevin Durant right now, so they're in their little thing. Uh, maybe they might strike gold, the Raptors, and Golden State might just fight in between the dressing room and everything. All these arguments might lead to them losing focus, and the Raptors come in, swoop in, and take that title. Well, it's actually hilarious because when you look at the West right now, it's wide open. There's not one dominant team right now. You have you have Denver, you have Houston, Golden State. You also have the Clippers right now are sitting in first place, which is hilarious. They don't have an all-star. That's still a mystery to me, actually. <laughs> At home, they're 9-1. and one. Away, they're 5-5. Five and five. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the Western Conference. The only teams at the Raps, to me, they can't beat, obviously, Golden State. Can they beat Houston? Houston's in 14th right now in the West. That's not staying. They're 9-11. and 11. They've lost four in a row, actually. 9-11 and 11 is 14th in the West? Yeah. Dead last, not even going to talk about them. Phoenix, they suck. They're 4-17. and 17. <laughs> Not even going to talk about them. Can the Raptors beat the Lakers? I think they can beat the yeah. Lakers. Yeah. They can beat uh, everyone says LeBron James is, you know, LeBronto. They had all those jokes. Haha. <laughs> we can't but, seem to do anything against them. But you have Leonard now. Leonard's the guy that we saw, what was it, 2011, 2012, whenever. No, 2013, when the Spurs annihilated the Heat. They annihilated them. Kawhi Leonard won... Finals MVP at 22 years of age, shut down LeBron James, and what was it? Was it game game four, game five? They won both by 36 points against a dream team, yeah. Miami team. The big three. So if Kawhi can bring that motivation and that hustle now with the team we have, why not? I'm saying we can win it all. I do too. And if you look at the Lakers too, like who do they have other than LeBron? Nobody. The big baller brand, he's not ready to take that team to the next level. All their guys are young. They're counting on next year with LeBron, I think. I think he went to LA this year to get those movie deals, to go into Hollywood, branch out for life after basketball. Next year, they're counting on probably getting Anthony Davis. I think that's what their whole focus is going to be on. And if that doesn't work out, like a lot of their deals haven't worked out, then... They're going to be in trouble. You know what? Forward. You know what? It's crazy to me that you say that, that Anthony Davis potentially landing in L.A. We never used to see super teams ever. Yeah. Ever since the whole Ray, because everyone says that LeBron, Bosh and Wade started it. They didn't. <laughs> it was Allen, Garnett and Pierce that started it. And then you add that. And then you add Irving, Love, and LeBron. And then you add the whole Warriors uh, dynasty. <laughs> this is their best team they've had this year. You, have, you add DeMarcus Cousins. I've heard rumors that Davis is going to Boston. I've heard rumors that Davis is going to the Lakers. I've heard rumors that both Durant and Davis are going to the Knicks. Where is the loyalty in the NBA? <laughs> that is, there is no loyalty anymore. And it's crazy to me. Everyone's like, oh, well, Kyrie's going to get traded at the deadline anyway. Why the hell would you trade Kyrie Irving? <laughs> what sense does that make? Aren't they? Uh, Gordon Hayward is your worst starter. <laughs> yeah, and he's just signed with them after last year. He got hurt in the first game. This is his first full season after leaving Utah. They want to trade him. I've seen articles of it. Like, okay, if I go to the stats right now, 
Damian Lillard last night, 41 points, 10 triples. He's expected apparently to go to the Lakers. Why? Are we Why hear this with every star player? It's it's Lakers? it's getting to that point. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's getting to the point where every player, oh yeah, I want to play on this team. I don't want to stay on this team because I have no future here. I get that, but like, don't you want to build your legacy around a franchise like Tim Duncan did? No one wants to do that anymore. I mean, LeBron kind of did that, but, but he then did, he fucked yeah. off and he went to Miami and then he went back to Cleveland. He won his championship. Best of both worlds. He's and now he's in LA for the money. He has basically no one with him. The other day, they lost by 30 to Denver and he put out 14 points, LeBron. Excellent. I mean, <laughs> it's it's the NBA is it's an industry where there's no loyalty anymore and it frustrates me. It really frustrates me because even the whole Carmelo Anthony thing, it doesn't matter what he is now. You have to look at what he was. Carmelo Anthony was one of the greatest scores that I've ever seen. And the fact that teams are kicking him to the curb because he's not doing anything. Just can't find a place. He's (laughs) he's going one of 12 of shooting because he has to share the ball with a guy that takes the most shots. In the whole NBA, in James Harden, he averages the most points for a reason. He gets the most turnovers for a reason. Another, oh, and I didn't even mention Chris Paul. He's another guy that, I'm not saying he's a ball hog, but he takes a lot of shots. Clint Capella takes a lot of shots. He's only getting better. So, like, what the hell? Now Carmelo Anthony's a free agent? That pisses me off. Like, what the hell is going to happen with him now? Everyone's saying he should retire. He should go to, should go to China. He's still, what, 31? He's 34 years old. 34. Yeah, he's got some years left. Off the bench, though. He, but the thing that frustrates me is they had a losing record. They still have a losing record, Houston, without Carmelo. And, oh, Melo should go to the Lakers because of LeBron. Oh, Melo should go to Boston because of Irving. Oh, Melo should go to the Pelicans because of Davis. Like, I don't get what the hell the whole point is with these super teams. I don't get it anymore. Playing off other players pretty yeah. much. Kemba uh, Walker, though, respect that guy. Stays in uh, North Carolina. What's in North Carolina? <laughs> Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah. <laughs> Michael no. Jordan's the owner. I think that's the only thing keeping him there because I'm surprised he hasn't dipped from there. At Charlotte, just to go. I'm His name always comes up, too. LeBron always praising him. Oh, Kemba Walker's good. Is he going to go to the Lakers next? Is that the next rumor that uh, some of these guys like Stephen A. Smith are going to bring up and uh, on first take saying, you know what? Kemba Walker, go to the Lakers, join LeBron. I want to continue this talk quickly about super teams because it's so important to me. Minnesota just traded Jimmy Butler to the Sixers, who has Ben Simmons, who, mind you, he can't shoot. But when he does shoot, he will be one of the best in the game. Joel Embiid is the newest version of Shaq in the game. He dominates every time he's out there. Jimmy Buckets is now draining, winning shots every time he's out there. Here's another super team. Can the Raptors even beat the Sixers? That's a question I didn't even ask. That'd be our, those would be like the two teams I think it'll come down to. It's crazy to me. It's literally crazy to me. And you're, even a lot of people are saying this is going to be one of the biggest trade deadlines in NBA history. They're saying that there's a lot of guys that are, they're not satisfied with where they are. Kemba Walker, love the guy. He's balling out right now. He's averaging 28 a game. What's his contract though? Oh, wow. I think I, th- I think he just signed, okay. which is huge. Never mind then. <laughs> but he said he's open for moving. Oh, he'll get heat. Just give him some time. Yeah. They all do. 
And right before we move on to wrestling, I want to talk about Kevin Durant quickly because he is one of the biggest names in basketball. I think he doesn't get praised enough for his defensive game, but obviously offensively, we can all agree that he's what? Would you say he's a top five all-time offensive player? Top 10 easily for me. Around there. Yeah. He just He's a seven-footer that could drain shots from half court and he could cross you over. It's crazy. Where does Kevin Durant land? It's tough because he always says he wants to have his own team, but he did have that really in OKC with Westbrook. He was the guy that was there first that they built around, and then they added Westbrook at the draft. And now he's on Golden State in that super team where they drafted all those guys, so they're identified with Golden State. Kevin Durant said he grew up a Toronto Raptors fan, I think, uh, Vince (laughs) Carter. I don't think you want to come here, but you look at other teams. What's there really to go? LA, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, but it's all up in the air. I think he'll land in LA. I don't want to see it though. The Lakers should not be an option. I still don't know why LeBron's there. They're like just a little bit better than the Cavs compared to last year. Yeah, he wants that Hollywood money. (laughs) I've heard crazy things with Kevin Durant. Here's why. I've heard that he can go to the Knicks, start his own team there, basically kick Porzingis to the curb, be like, hey, this is my team now, fuck you. <laughs> I've also heard that he can go to the Lakers. Because why not have LeBron and KD together? That's good for, for merchandise, right? They're the biggest, they're probably the most important franchise in the NBA. One of them. Yeah. I've heard crazy things. KD going to, let's say, Denver. I don't know. I've heard things where KD can land back in OKC. Oh, can you imagine do a LeBron, that? go back. But like again, I feel like his relationship with with Westbrook has been shot. I think it's I think it's done. They say they're fine. I don't think they're Westbrook fine. Westbrook wants to beat them down. I think. Yeah. I, I think I think that's it. But anyways, enough about the enough about the NBA and super teams and all that. Let's move on to WWE. Now it's been a crazy year in wrestling. It's been insane. The first thing I want to talk about though, and it's not a good thing. I want to talk about Roman Reigns because this guy has basically carried WWE for I'd say three four years. And I know fans don't appreciate him. And I'm a guy that cheers him. I actually, I like Roman Reigns. I like what he's done for the business. I like what he's done in the ring. He's improved tremendously in my eyes. But we got to look at the leukemia and we got to look moving forward what this does for the industry. So guys, what do you think with Roman Reigns injured? Like, who do you think is the next to step up? I think you're kind of seeing it on Raw right now. As bad as it's been, the main focus has been Drew McIntyre. Uh, I've been saying this for about a decade, a little bit late on it, but I I think he will be the guy to step in, at least until Roman hopefully comes back. But I I think, you know, for the universal title picture, I think Drew is pretty set there. It's just a matter of how they go about it. Now, here's a question I've got to ask both of you guys. Drew McIntyre left. He did his own shtick. He was with 3MB. We all know that last, his first go around with WWE was not that good. Coming back, he's rejuvenated. He had a body transformation too. He looks like a monster. Won the NXT title, got called up. Basically, they have not missed a mark with him. Why is it that superstars of Drew McIntyre's potential and caliber get shafted like that and then they finally realize, oh, a second go around, oh, this is actually the guy. (laughs) Whereas a decade ago, we were saying that he is the guy, but 3MB, meaningless intercontinental feuds. But finally now we're looking on Raw and it's crazy to think that Drew McIntyre not only is headlining Raw every week, he has motivated guys like Dolph Ziggler to step up. And he's motivated guys like Bobby Lashley. No offense. I don't like Lashley. But he's mo- you clearly tell that he's motivating Lashley to step up his game. I totally agree with Pinello. I think Drew McIntyre is the next guy. If it's not Seth Rollins, it's Drew McIntyre. The only problem is we all know that Roman Reigns was a face, but he got booed. 
Drew McIntyre is a guy that is a heel and gets cheered. Just want to point out he hasn't been pinned yet since yeah. returning to the main roster. See, well, that's crazy to me. But also, you got Elias. And if you saw the beginning of Raw, my God, he has the crowd in the palm of his hands. Just that promo he cut, just trashing everyone in the ring like Baron Corbin and uh, calling the child services for uh, my man over there, Leo Rush. <laughs> I think the only problem WWE had on Raw, and I think they're realizing it, they over, they did, they did too much to try and get Roman Reigns over, and it, other guys lost in the shuffle. Like Braun Strowman, they try to get him over, and then they're still focusing on Roman Reigns. They get Roman Reigns going over in all these feuds. Look at SmackDown, everybody can go in that title picture and make a good program out of it with AJ Styles, The Miz, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe even. So I think that was a problem they had. And going forward, I'd like to see Drew McIntyre become that face of Raw and Elias battling out with them. Seth Rollins in that mix, Dean Ambrose now in that mix, Brock Lesnar. I love him, but he doesn't need the title anymore. He's so over where he comes back. It's just a prop for him. Make him feud, have big feuds with like Bobby Lashley or go to SmackDown and face AJ Styles again. That's what they should do with like part-time guys like him. Now, I will get into Brock Lesnar in a moment because I really do want to discuss his whole Universal Championship reign as being a tarnish to WWE in general. I'm not discrediting his work as a performer. Brock Lesnar, to me, is basically, nowadays, when he comes back, it's not even a wrestling match anymore. It's more of a spectacle when he comes back. He's got that much star power that when he comes back, it's a big deal. And he makes it a big deal. Sometimes he doesn't. You can tell he just doesn't give a shit. And there's other times where he literally pours his heart out and he tries. Survivor Series. That was probably one of his best matches that I have seen in a long time in that it started out as he dominated. And it's like, okay, this is another typical Lesnar match. And then he's like, you know what? I respect Daniel Bryan as a wrestler. I respect Daniel Bryan as a performer. I'm going to have him kick me in the head a couple times. And I'm going to make it look like he has a chance to win. But... Again, going back to who the guy is right now, there's so many guys on this roster. That's the problem. There's too much talent on this roster to say, you're the guy, go get it. Seth Rollins, if it's my company, Seth Rollins is my universal champion. Reason being, top face, probably one of the best in-ring performers. Most consistent. Most consistent. Probably has one of the most, like he has the best charisma, best chemistry, like his, uh, what's it called? His cardio. He can go on for hours. Him and Cesaro are the kings of the Iron Man. But like, go back to Survivor Series. I'm looking at this SmackDown team. Samoa Joe got basically squashed. Yeah, 30 seconds. Why? Why did he get squashed? I know you, I know there's a lot of guys on SmackDown, but this guy, he's what? He's now over 40 years old. He's not going to get any better. If anything, time's ticking for Samoa Joe. And you basically bury him at Survivor Series because you're trying to get a guy like Drew over. That's all he did that match, by the way. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That one kick. Now, here's my here's my take on Raw right now. Here's my take on it. You have Braun Strowman, a guy that turned heel two months ago. Roman Reigns, the whole incident, he had to turn face. Obviously, it's rushed. Obviously. All the fans are like, oh, but like he just turned heel, so... We got to kind of cheer him again. (laughs) And then you have a guy like Seth Rollins where he is, I still look at him as the guy, but he has the IC title and he's not doing anything with it. Miz was right. He brings the most value to that title. He He really does. (laughs) Dean Ambrose comes back. There's another guy. You could be the guy if you want to, but guess what? We have six other guys. You're not going to be the guy. That's why I don't like the you're the guy label. 
Like, you're all elite. Why can't everyone get a turn and just go about the storylines a different way? You don't have to have one guy and then have him hold the title for fucking four years. See, this is the business aspect of WWE that really bites them in the ass. Vince has always had the, that idea where I need this guy to be the headliner, the guy that main events every pay-per-view, merchandise sales. We've seen John Cena have that for 14 years. So now you have guys like Strowman, you have guys like Roman, you have guys like Drew, Seth, Dean, Elias, all these guys can all main event. They could all headline if they wanted to. But guys like Vince backstage, after a match, let's say you had Elias, Seth go 25 minutes on Raw, go backstage, end of the day, Vince would be like, oh, it doesn't matter what you two guys did. We have Brock and Braun main eventing that pay-per-view. With a backup plan. Keep doing what you're doing. Though. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys are probably better than those two, but you're not the guy. You're just, you're you're there. You're too small. We got Lars Sullivan coming up, guy. He's Look, more of my body type. I like him. You're only 6'2". Another guy that I want to even discuss. Bray Wyatt. Four years ago, this guy looked like he was the next big fucking thing. First Mania match, John Cena. Second Mania match, The Undertaker. Who does that? <laughs> You're facing two legends in your first two years. They beat The Shield. That doesn't happen. Doesn't. He beat Chris Jericho. That doesn't happen. He's beaten legends on his way to stardom. But instead of going to stardom, he went the opposite way. Why? Because there has to be a guy. There has to be a guy. It just frustrates me. Now, Drew McIntyre... He'll probably win the Universal title in 2019. like to think so. Yeah, I think so. But out of all the superstars, now this is going to be a very tough question. Out of all the superstars in the WWE Universe, all of them, all the fucking elites, who is going to have that memorable 2019 year? Who is going to be that guy who you're going to look back in 20, in a year from now and say, holy fuck, it was his year? I'll start this off and uh, I'll go with Adam Cole. Oh, <laughs> uh, regardless of... How he comes up or who he comes up with, I think he's just, he kind of reminds me of like a Kevin Owens. He's just got that star quality and everything he does, you kind of pay attention to. And I think I, Raw or SmackDown, either way, he's going to take whatever title and he's going to make the most of it because everyone pays attention when he's there. Yeah, you know, even if you go to NXT, a guy I'd love to see on the main roster right now, Velveteen Dream. Because you saw, when he comes out, he is a character. And WWE, they have all these guys like Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, and Seth Rollins. They do all these suicide dives, go dive here, fly around there. Daniel Bryan, oh, I'll go get a concussion. Sure, I'll do a diving headbutt. But they don't have real, <laughs> real characters. That's what Velveteen Dream is. That's what WWE markets. They need a real character like Undertaker. And Velveteen Dream comes up, does all this goofy stuff, does all these promos, comes out like Hulk Hogan. Has his moveset one match, like, he has a crowd cheering for him in NXT. If he were to be on the main roster, especially with their new deal with Fox, that's a guy you could market on and do cross-promotion with, with the NFL, even put him on, like, any other Fox programming. I think that's a guy who can have a big 2019. Now, I'm going to go off the board here, and I'm going to say Aleister Black is going to break out in 2019. Reason being, he's done it all in NXT right now. I know he's in a feud right now with Ciampa and Gargano. It's a triple threat for the NXT title. Rumors have been swirling that he's going to make his main roster come Royal Rumble. And I think from that point on, it's going to be a basically a transcend. He's just going to go up every single paper. I can just see a guy like an Aleister Black come into the industry and wreck havoc right away. They have to stick to what he does, though. They have to, like, take him seriously. Yeah. Because I feel like a guy like that, they can easily turn him into a joke. Yeah. Much like the dream, because his character work is elite. But for the stuff that he does, can't you see him being a flop if they go about it a different way? Well, it's crazy because there have been a shit ton of flops. 
Mordecai. Bobby Roode. <laughs> oh, Mordecai. <laughs> That's not the time. Yeah. Oh, God. Michael Cole, get away from him. Heidenreich was supposed to be the new Goldberg. That oh, didn't work. Um, yeah, but no, uh, I really do like all the picks. I think Adam Cole is going to be... I could even see him being the face of the company. He's just, he's got that star power, baby. If Triple H and, is uh, it, though, because Vince McMahon doesn't like... He doesn't like smaller, yeah. 160 pounds and... Just throw them all on SmackDown. Yeah, put them on flourish. SmackDown and they'll do a good job because I don't see it. Unless Adam Cole comes up with the Undisputed Era and they really take them seriously, make them like the Shield were like a dominant stable, I think that would be real big for them. Now, my biggest question moving into the new year... Royal Rumble season is almost here. I want to just quickly talk about this because there have been rumors, and these rumors I don't like because, again, another part-timer is going to come back and maybe cost a full-timer a fucking mania spot. Batista has been rumored to come back. Not again. The Rock has been rumored to come back. Love The Rock. I love him. One of my favorites. But please don't win the Rumble because if you win the Rumble... I have no idea what the expectations would be for Rock vs. Brock in 2019. This is why they can't build stars properly. <laughs> How are they going to get that insurance to pass for The Rock? Because I'm sure the insurance that are funding all these big blockbuster movies are going to have to sign off on this. If they say, oh, you want to fight uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Who is that, that guy, the UFC champion with the sword tattoo on his chest? Oh, sure. That's going to cost $100 million, sir. That's not happening, I don't think. So my question now to you is, with the part-timers, when are we going to not see this? Like, when is this going to end? When the game takes over, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but I feel like even the game would still be... Oh, still I, 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 could do another, yeah. I could do another Rumble. Yeah, Three year, two years ago, he was he won the Royal Rumble to become champion. You remember that? In his mind, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this for someone else because I'm putting them over. But You're it's like, no, dumbass, because yeah. someone else should be in your spot. That's basically how we took it, though. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh I, won, I won the Royal Rumble. I won the WWE title. But this is so Roman could get his mania moment. <laughs> You can't be thinking like that. Because then you know what's going to happen three months ahead of time. And then from January to fucking March, it's just a wash. and It's it's just not fun. I don't like this part-time stuff. And he's also a guy who main evented that Saudi Arabia show with Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Kane. Bunch of 50-year-olds main eventing for 27 minutes. Mind you, a bald Shawn yes, Michaels. The bald break kid. Bald out of retirement. I can't believe that. He said he would not come out of retirement ever. And then he comes out of retirement for a fucking C-match. <laughs> but my question here is, if you get, okay, let's say Rock wins the Rumble. Like, like this is worst case scenario. Let's say Rock comes back, wins the Rumble. There's this whole fucking hoorah, whatever. My biggest takeaway is, does Lesnar retain the title at Mania, if that happens? For me, it's a lose-lose. It is a lose-lose. Because it's lose. not on someone who's going to be on the show the next night. Yep. I'd probably still, honestly, say Lesnar retains, if that were to be the case. Now, transitioning into this, Lesnar's reign as Universal Champion has tarnished, and I repeat this, and I am uh, I am 100% very upset when I say this, he's tarnished Raw, not, not, the, not the title, the title's already been tarnished ever since Finn Balor got injured, <laughs> and when Goldberg won it and all that shit, but I don't even want to get into that. 500 plus days as champion, you defended it, what, nine times? Not even, maybe eight times. Accurate. You lose it to Roman Reigns. You lose it to Roman Reigns in a shit match at SummerSlam, where us fans are like, oh, Roman Reigns won. Now it's over. And then Roman gets leukemia. That's already a big fat L. And then you have Strowman versus Lesnar. 
and Lesnar wins. And now we're back at square one, where Lesnar's champion, a part-time champion, whereas you could have had Strowman win, and then you could have went the route where Baron Corbin could have maybe feuded with him, instead of having Corbin hit Strowman with the belt and then make it a fucking squash match. So, to me, this shit pisses me off in that you have guys like Braun Strowman, like uh, Drew McIntyre, like Rollins, like Ambrose, like Elias, that can have their big moment now. Like, Survivor Series, to me... It's becoming a pay-per-view where it's, uh, okay, Raw vs. SmackDown. Is it too gimmicky for you when they do the Raw vs. SmackDown stuff? Okay, I love the whole champion vs. champion thing, but I don't want it to be Lesnar. I know, right? Like, (laughs) it's been three years in a row now. Well, okay, well... Three years ago was Lesnar Goldberg. That you, was uh, fucking awful. Can you tell Shane the same thing? Because he's been on the five-on-five team. Three, three years, years in a row. row. Yeah. MVP. He's the best in the world. <laughs> but, yeah, it is too gimmicky for me. I don't want to see Lesnar. Ver- I, okay, we get it. Lesnar Styles, Lesnar Bryan, dream matches. But still, like, can you defend your title at a top four pay-per-view? Like, I get it. It's SmackDown versus Raw. But I would rather have the just the Survivor Series matches. And then you have the main, the belts going at it. They should, yeah, they should find a way, like what they used to do, just have the five-on-five five matches, but still stick to the storylines when it comes to the championships. I don't know why they've escaped from the, that. Th- see, that's the thing with me with booking nowadays. They're getting so lazy where it's like, we have a part-time champion in Lesnar. There's no point of having storylines with him. We'll just do the champ as the champ. Who cares? The, the thing that impressed me most was the Brian heel turn. That was the only thing that impressed me because I didn't know how the fuck he would perform as a heel against Lesnar. And it was, it was so jokes to me what he did. <laughs> he was out the ring and like, it, it was so funny. You got his shots into it. And then that guy in the crowd is like, oh, just pin him already. And Lesnar's just like, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was hilarious. <laughs> he, what he called me, he's like, moron. <laughs> shut up, moron. Like, that guy trying to get in the show is like, it's, it's not real, relax. Do you want to be next? Just go as a crowd. He's trying, he's trying to hijack that show there. <laughs> yeah, but no, for real though, like they got so lazy with booking. And like, I get it. It's a top four pay-per-view. You want to have the SmackDown Raw, like, you know, the two brands going at it. But now there's not even separate brand shows shows anymore there used to be a smackdown pay-per-view a raw pay-per-view whereas it felt bigger when it was survivor series because it's like oh these two like these superstars all together never are at a pay-per-view together it yeah. started that way for yeah the first year of the that's, that's what i mean that's why that's why that's why the survivor series match the five on five was fucking fantastic you had an ambrose on smackdown facing rollins and, Re- and reigns and that was like Style oh shit the, the heel champ at the time it was amazing you had two heel champs you had owens and uh, Owens and Styles like okay if you're gonna do the champ vs. champ thing do it in the Survivor Series match like they did don't do a singles fucking Lesnar Styles Lesnar Bryan I'm sorry yeah have them captain their team ha- yeah, yeah that exactly that's what I mean not just singles matches yeah. where it, it doesn't mean shit it's hard to build too because unless they do like the invasion thing yeah. every week which it's it's predictable the only way you can build it is a promo and they're just standing in the ring looking at the camera and it's not like but, the but, 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 but this is but this is where they could do it if they didn't have a guy like Lesnar you could could do it every week building up because your champ is there this is true like if i booked it i would have probably okay let's say we want a heel champ you have drew as the champ and you have uh, aj styles as the champ cool. and you basically hijack each other's shows every week for the three weeks leading up and that's it like they did in 2005 when it was um team smackdown team raw that was the first time they did that and that was huge but now like you've gotten lesnar and styles lesnar and brian in a predictable outcome where obviously they're not going to have lesnar lose so like it's it's just like lesnar's reigns as champion have not only affected raw 
But they've affected top four shows. Like, okay, I will say, I will admit, SummerSlam 2017 was one of Lesnar's best matches. But again, it was because of Rain, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman. Oh, that was a yeah, that was a good fun. That was fun. The fact that that Lesnar went through two announce tables and came back <laughs> and won. That was that was great. That I understand. His WrestleMania matches for me have been shit. They have not been good. The one against Goldberg, that was the, that was the best that it could be. That was fun though. Just the car crash it was. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> then who else did he face? Undertaker when Undertaker got the concussion and he had to carry him for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. That was like 15 minutes. He had to carry him. The the, the two Romans the two Romans Reigns matches were ah uh, they the were okay. First, yeah, the first one was kind of memorable because Seth Rollins he saved it. that. Yeah, I saved it. But that's when Brock Lesnar re-signed, and so you knew at least he was invested in the match. This one with Roman Reigns, he should have lost that. I don't think they should have just held that on until SummerSlam. They should have just made Roman Reigns win at WrestleMania, have his moment. If they boo him, so what? He already beat The Undertaker the year before, so it wasn't going to top that if he beat Brock Lesnar. There's no difference. So, after saying all of this with Lesnar and Survivor Series and all the shows, who is the guy to beat Lesnar? Because Drew is a Drew's a heel right now. Would you have Drew just beat him? Would you have Drew beat Brock Lesnar? I mean, if it's not Braun, because zero oh, and two now. Yeah. Would it be Drew? <laughs> well, no, be- because I've for- because I've heard Roll- I've heard rumors that it's Rollins that's gonna face Lesnar at Mania, and the whole build is gonna be around. Oh, I'm doing this for Reigns. Like I'm gonna beat you because of Roman. That is a huge mistake. Yeah, it is. Just for me. As much as I love Seth, he is not the guy to beat Brock. No, he's not. Like what they should do though. And they just ruined this from the start. As soon as Bobby Lashley turned heel, here's a guy with a manager who can talk for him. Bobby Lashley can't really talk that well in no. his promos. With Leo Rush with him, he should be mauling people. And just, he, this guy's legit. He was in MMA, he was in Bellator, he had success. Similar to Brock Lesnar, not in the UFC, but he's still beating up guys. He, right now in his matches, he should be destroying everyone. Attack Brock Lesnar, beat the crap out of him, and have Brock Lesnar turn face. And then you have Bobby Lashley beat him at WrestleMania. Lesnar goes to the UFC. Lashley stays there and then you have like an opening there where Lesnar can come back and face him so I think they kind of ruined that with Lashley it's it's crazy again we talk about options and there's a shit ton of options it's just about how they go by doing it Drew McIntyre's a heel right now yeah you could easily make Lesnar a face you could easily have this whole Corbin Lashley McIntyre thing go all the way to, I don't know, let's say Royal Rumble when Lesnar shows his face again. Hopefully. And Drew and then literally beat the holy hell out of Lesnar. And that's where it's like, okay, Lesnar's now a face. Yeah. And then you could kind of build up to McIntyre taking it from Lesnar. But for now, if Lesnar's going to be a heel, they're in a very tough spot. Because, like, I can't see a heel versus heel going at it for a title. I, I can't. I can't see it. They're filled with heels. Yeah. But <laughs> too much. regardless of the universal title, I'm now transitioning this into the women's division. Because I know for a fact, I am putting all my cards on the table here. After what I saw at Survivor Series with Ronda and Charlotte, they have to main event WrestleMania. I know it's crazy to think. You mean close the show? They have to close the show. <laughs> and, I, and I mean this. I'm not trying to say that the men can't do it. Just I would rather have Ronda and Charlotte or Ronda, Becky or Charlotte, Becky, whoever. I'd rather have that close WrestleMania than Lesnar. We've seen it too many times before. A disappointing finish. I'm sorry. We've seen Roman win a belt that was so predictable. Fans were booing him out the building. We saw Roman beat Undertaker to close the show. That was a 
fucking disaster. We saw Lesnar beat Roman in a terrible main event. That was awful. Seems to be a theme here. That's what I mean. So you know what? I feel like you got to give the, one of the greatest workers in the game, Becky, Ronda, Charlotte, you got to give them a chance to close. Because what we saw at Survivor Series, that was to me, that was one of the best matches I've seen in a while. Just the heel turn by Charlotte Flair was incredible. Ronda Rousey continues to get better. Becky Lynch has been the best superstar, in my opinion, in 2018. And it's crazy. She's a woman. All these sexist pigs out there. Oh, she's not going to be a superstar of the year. This whole run is not going to be relevant in a year's time, in two years. This is crazy to me. Look back, Kate. I'm, I'm telling this. I'm telling you guys this right now. Stone Cold's run. John Cena's run. CM Punk's run. Daniel Bryan's run. These runs are runs that you will remember forever. CM Punk's summer that year. I don't care. Until I'm dead, I'm remembering that. Because that is something that I look back on and I say, holy shit, this is television. This is entertainment. This is what wrestling should be. Becky Lynch, I'd say what, a year ago, me, you, collab, you, we're all saying this girl has the potential to be the fucking best woman I've ever seen. Just give her an extra eight minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a meaningful feud, give her a spark, give her something. She was stale as shit a year ago. All of a sudden, she um, Charlotte takes her spot. Finally, Becky says, you know what? I'm going to turn heel. Instead of turning heel, she technically turned face. She gets cheered every week. When we went to Raw that week, or, or SmackDown, when she, when she was in the disguise, yeah, and she beat the that. shit out of Charlotte, fans were enchanting Charlotte. Fans weren't chanting, this is awful. Fans weren't chanting, fans weren't booing. They were chanting Becky. And they've continuously chanted Becky for, I don't know, five months now? Even on Raw, they chant yeah, Becky. on both shows, <laughs> even when she's not even in the ring. You brought up a face. It's similar to the way Stone Cold got popular. It just, kind of, like, everyone knew he had it, and then he did the whole 316 thing, and then it just took off from there. Like, like Becky's just I like, feel like this whole Becky Lynch thing with Nia has even made her bigger now. The man. She's the man. The she is the man. Look at her. <laughs> she hijacks a show. She makes Ronda cry backstage. That was that that was one of the best segments I saw in a long time. Then she gets punched in the face, goes up to the ramp with the concussion, and goes like, yeah, and just, just like, celebrates. Like, I'm good. Just hearing I'm Naya champ. talk about it the next week, just I almost threw oh, up after. That. It's okay. But again, going back to Becky Lynch, I feel like she has the main event mania. Yeah. After everything that she has done, you gotta be, you gotta do something right with Becky because they didn't do it right with CM Punk. That's why he left. Yeah. After all the shit he did, Vince is like, you know what? We still have John Cena. You're not gonna main event WrestleMania. We still have Undertaker. You're not gonna main event WrestleMania. Have you been watching the last year? I've done more than all of these guys. The original plan at Mania when he before he left was to face Triple H and CM Punk flat out said I don't have to wrestle you I've done everything I've actually surpassed you I may have a better legacy than you in the long run probably not but memorably at least he believes it me, no but memorably yeah. he, he, he might like Triple H great career great legacy but are there moments you look back on with Triple H and say this is bigger than Punk's pipe bomb definitely not not a lot of them but Maybe the unsanctioned match with Shawn Michaels, but that pay-per-view in itself was a fucking five out of five. Yeah. But again, they got to do something with Becky. They, they got to do something with her. They got to make her main event. I'm sorry. Even Charlotte, she's done everything. I know everyone's saying she's the Roman Reigns of the division, but at least she fucking puts her heart out every time she's out there. So my biggest question is, 
does the women finally main event WrestleMania? Because they main evented the Royal Rumble last year. And that was amazing. I mean, other than the Bellas being the final three, it was amazing. Great times. Instant heat. So what do you guys think with the whole women revolution? Is it the women's revolution that's been better? Or is it just a couple names that have kind of carried it? Because I can easily say that the women's revolution has not really been that successful. Like looking at it in a standpoint of Sasha Banks, Bailey, where the fuck are they? But again, it's not their fault. It's how they're booked. But you look at Becky Lynch, you look at Charlotte. These two girls, they're well-deserving a main event for me at Mania. I'm going to throw some love to Carmella because I love her. And she's been money. And she had a sick 2018. But do you guys think that the women's revolution has taken a step forward? Or would you say it's just a couple women that have made it to where it's been? Because I know three years ago, we would never be talking about women main eventing a WrestleMania. We never would have been talking about a women's Royal Rumble. We would have never been talking about a woman's Money in the Bank, a woman's Hell in a Cell. We never would have been talking about any of that. So when I look at Charlotte and Becky or Charlotte Sasha in 2016, when they started it, would you say it's better now or it was better when they when they first came up? Because to me, this is crazy. This is actually insane how they could be main eventing WrestleMania. Pretty surprising that we're there. <laughs> I mean, three years ago, it was... Uh because it was happening, it was more exciting because it was like a finally moment. But I, I do think they're still progressing as a division. Like you can easily pinpoint like a few superstars that like Becky, like you said, and Carmella I'll throw out there and Asuka. But yeah, as a division, because I think if we didn't have the, the last few years, then we wouldn't be where we're at now. I, I mean, we're looking at a division that has, I would say at least 10 solid women that could carry a program and can carry a show. You have Sasha and Bailey who could potentially be a feud of the year candidate if booked properly. If they have plans to throw the women's uh, tag titles in though. Yeah. And even with that main event thing, I reported on uh, barnburner.ca, got to shout that out over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spoke to a few people about that. And the plan originally was Charlotte to win the Women's Royal Rumble and then challenge Ronda. So she was going to go like Asuka did and challenge the other show's champion. But with Becky getting injured, thanks to Nia Jax on Raw, that kind of put the plans in a loop over there. But I think the plan still is for Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda now. So it's going to be interesting how they work that out. Does uh, Becky lose a title at TLC? <clears throat> and then does she go and win the Royal Rumble? Does Charlotte win the Royal Rumble? But I think we're going to see all three of them at WrestleMania in the main event because you look at the men, I don't think, unless you're going to get The Rock coming back in a big match, there's not really anyone that can really carry a main event with any program. And with Ronda, especially her like mainstream appeal, she can go in. Charlotte's amazing. Becky with the crowd right now. And I would like to see Becky actually win that. If they do that triple threat, that'd be a big moment for the women's evolution. Now, for me, the biggest question mark with Alina, with your um, with your idea with the triple threat, that might make the women's division really thin after that. That's the only problem I have with that. Now, look, listen, TLC is looking to be a fantastic show. You have Styles and Brian. That is that's probably going to be five stars. Nothing short of four. You're going to have Asuka, Charlotte, and Becky in a TLC match for the title. I don't know why I have Charlotte winning that. I don't know why I have her winning the title. And I feel like what you just said was Charlotte winning the Royal Rumble. I have Becky winning the Royal yeah. Rumble. I think either way I'm good then. As yeah. long as they're all there. 
I like to see Becky win the Royal Rumble, to be honest. That would be a bigger moment. Like, if Charlotte wins, you'll probably see people getting a little mad. But if Becky wins, that's, like, the de facto face. Like, everyone wants to see win. It's, That'd like, be, a convincing win, yeah. too. Like she comes out and everyone knows right away. Like, okay, she's got this. And she, yeah. And the crazy thing is, if they cross-promote, if Becky or Charlotte face Ronda, and I know they will, because that is the money match, what happens with Asuka? What happens with Carmella? Like, what happens with these women that we've seen promise? Like, Asuka was undefeated for a while, and she lost to Charlotte last year at WrestleMania in a fucking amazing yeah, match. Yeah, um, Like, that's my only concern with the whole women's division is besides those three right now who are white hot, they're all, they're all, they're rolling right now. Nia Jax is in the picture right now, right? So she ruins everything. <laughs> so Naya comes in here, concusses Becky Lynch. I oh I'm gonna get a uh, I'm gonna get a women's championship uh, title shot because of that. Okay, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Alexa Bliss is probably gonna be sidelined for her career. She's probably done, which is which is bad. Um, Naya Jackson, Ronda Rousey sounds fine and dandy, doesn't it? No, to me that's that's Naya Jax is a person right now that is positioned in a division that is too good for her liking. She is in, she's swimming with sharks that are triple the size of her. Popularity-wise, skill-wise, appeal-wise, everything. I don't see it with Naya. Like, I don't know what their thought process is. Like, oh, you're big. Okay, here's the contract. But like, she's not believable for me on the mic. Her wrestling skills are still green as goose shit. <laughs> I, I don't know there's it's like with Lashley there's a certain believability factor that's not there for me so when she comes out I just you shrug like, that's that would be my bathroom break I'm gonna watch it but if I have to leave it's for a Nia Jax I you think she should have stayed in NXT longer then absolutely yeah. she was not there long at all I feel she feuded with Oscar yeah in Ember during that time like holy shit I feel like the reason that she got brought up so fast was because she is big and I'm not trying to discredit her like her her mic her mic skills are there they're not bad it's fine it's just you're you're going up against people that are way better than you and like it clearly shows your weaknesses i know you're not the great you are green as goose shit you are you're big you can't move that fast but she did put on a good match with ronda in the summer she did it, it like it wasn't bad but if you're going to have ronda versus naya and then you're taking you're going to go from ronda naya to ronda charlotte you know what that does for Naya? That's gonna not. You know what Naya? Like honestly, just switch brands at that point because you're basically getting buried. The believable factor, you're gonna look like ass. You're gonna get buried again by Ronda. Basically, is what they're saying. Because if Naya wins the title, we just gotta forget about this whole podcast we just did. This whole segment right now. Scratch the first episode. <laughs> so. It's crazy to think that they actually, this whole Becky Lynch and the concussion thing, they're basically saying, okay, yeah, nah, you're deserving of a title shot. That's crazy to me. I feel like Ronda shouldn't even, you know what, maybe get more heat on her. Maybe don't defend it at TLC. Maybe you're injured because of Charlotte. Don't wrestle. I like it. You know what I mean? Because she got booed out of Survivor Series, which I did not I did not anticipate that. That was bad. So if I'm booking it, Naya, you're you're a great opponent. You're you know you're you're believable. You're huge, but Ronda, you know what? You want some more, a little more heel heat? Don't defend it at TLC. Just take a break. You know you you got injured. Just take a break. And you said uh, Naya should like switch brands because she's not gonna beat Ronda or whatever. I feel like that's the case for everyone. Because yeah. like how many people can you see going one on one with Ronda closing a show? 
maybe something. I'm not gonna lie to you. I could see I could see Bailey going one on one with Ronda. I could see it. Actually like putting up a aggressive, like a good fight though. Like I I view it like Lesnar. Because yeah. Ronda kind of ruined so many things. Because for me, I think Ruby Riot's the best thing on Raw. But she's never going to get there because she's behind like five other people. See, Ruby's a whole other it's a tough discussion. discussion. It's Ruby's a whole yeah. other discussion. They're taking their time with her, I think. And it might help her in the long run. I think she's got... Liv that. Morgan, too. Yeah, it's another one. They're all young. But anyways, to finish this podcast, I have one question for you guys. Becky Lynch, would you put her superstar of the year? Because there's this whole sexist thing in WWE, and it's been like that since I can remember. And that now you have the women's revolution coming up, and it's women's superstar of the year. And then you have just superstar, not men's superstar, just superstar of the year. Is that how they're doing it? Though? That's how they're doing it. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. If, if I have to look back from 2018, the beginning, all the way till now, my superstars of the year, I'm not even kidding with you. I have AJ Styles, I have Charlotte Flair, I have Becky Lynch, and I have Seth Rollins. Two females and two males. I put them in that and go crazy. I think I have those exact people. Because how do you not? Like, Seth was the MVP to start 2018. Yeah. Becky just came on as of late, really. But she's but, been uh, she's been the hottest of the year. Awesome. I think her run was probably the best. And I think she start, the way she started, if we're looking at 12 months... I wouldn't put her at number one, but I put her in the discussion of like top five because she really, like since she turned heel, that's when she really started to elevate more and more. Guys like AJ Styles and then consistently had great matches. Uh, the Miz, no matter what he's a part of, even now with Shane McMahon, it's I crap. forgot about the Miz. Yeah. Miz there every he year. just <laughs> turns the worst thing into the most entertaining thing. He's find a, like found a way to do that. He's been successful at it. He's up there. Uh, then you have, yeah, Charlotte, uh, Becky, Ronda too, she's had some good matches. Her promos need some work. Like when she's calling people mutes and uh, like monolithic mutes and then tweeting at Becky saying you're a, uh, what's a millennial when they're the same age. Doesn't really make any <laughs> sense, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's even, even for the men, like Daniel Bryan his comeback hasn't really been that great. So you can't really put him in the top five, nope. but those, nope. I, I like that. Like, Two women and those three guys. I think. So, so you would do that. You would, because yeah. uh, I feel like nowadays in this day and age where sex is basically changing, like you know, like feminism's obviously kind of taking a step forward, and they're trying to have you know equality and all that. I would, I would do that if I'm WWE. I'd be like, you know what? Let's have, let's put two females and two males in a superstar of the year, and just like, because looking at it historically. It, like when you look at it in the long run, let's say, I don't know, let's say in two years, let's say Becky Lynch wins Superstar of the Year or Charlotte Flair wins this year. They'll probably give it to Roman because of the whole leukemia thing, but whatever. We'll see. Like, don't you want to look back on your company and say, oh, yeah, that was the year where a, where a woman won Superstar of the Year for the first time? I'm sure we'll get there. Like yeah. shit like that is what makes companies more successful. And like 2014 – the whole women's revolution, they made it a big deal. It was a great triple threat match between Becky, Sasha, and, and Charlotte. It was amazing. But this is a step forward now. You're putting Superstar of the Year with a woman, and that's huge. And I, I feel like they do get the credit, but they, they need to be considered like the best in the company. When you look at everything they've done, AJ Styles, to me, most consistent since he's come in WWE, might have been the best. If he was in a position where he was closing the show – 
and they had like SmackDown pay-per-views and he was the guy like closing every week, I'd probably say Styles because he's had the title for the whole calendar yeah. year. And he, he, hasn't really every single yeah, time. he hasn't really main evented. That's the only problem with that. So guys, superstar of the year for you, who is it? Closing, the, closing this podcast, who is your superstar of the year and why? I'm going to stick with Styles for that reason. Like he, he, he's not in the position where he's the guy and he's going to close it out every week. But, you know, he doesn't miss a live event. He doesn't miss a SmackDown. He's at every pay-per-view. He puts on the best matches. He went through the entire fucking SmackDown roster. Joe, Shinsuke, like, putting on amazing feuds with all of them. So, for me, I'll stick with Styles. Yeah, I'm going to go with AJ Styles, too. I'm going for, tw- like, all 12 months out of the year. If it was just based on short term, I think Becky. But I'm looking from January to now, AJ Styles. The matches he had with Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe, even that program, what they were doing in that feud... And it's a feud we saw like 10 years ago when they were both in TNA in their prime. Now they were able to just reinvent that and add on like more layers to that. I think AJ Styles for me, superstar of the year. I'm going off the board. I'm going Charlotte Flair for superstar of the year. And here's the reason why. 2018, the beginning of the year, I'm pretty sure she was women's champion. For, for I would say at least majority of the year she was women's champion other than Carmella's reign. She defeated Asuka at WrestleMania, something that not a lot of people saw coming. She's reinvented herself as one of the top heels in the company. She's beaten Becky Lynch time and time again. She's made Becky Lynch relevant, if you think about it. Like, Becky Lynch, obviously superstar. But in the long run, it's kind of like what Edge did with John Cena or what John Cena did with Edge. You bring the best out of your opponent. When you think of John Cena, for at least for me, I think of Edge. When I think of Charlotte Flair, I think of Becky Lynch. When I think of Becky Lynch's transcendent year, I think of Charlotte Flair. So I'm going to say Charlotte Flair for me should make history and win Superstar of the Year for the first time ever. I think a woman should do it. It's a big step forward for the company. And honestly, I think Vince should. He should visit that idea. But anyways, guys, that is in the zone. Episode one, finally over. It was a long show, but we had to get all this information out to you. Thanks, guys, for watching. I'm Martelli. That's Pinello. That's Alino. We're signing off.